Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Tomorrow morning, let it rain. Tomorrow morning, let it pour. Tonight we're in the groove together. Ain't gonna worry about stormy weather. Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out all trouble and drunk. Well, 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 here we are on Radical Australia, Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. We do have a guest, but before we say hello to Jessica Morrison, we will say hello to the great Dowager herself, Dale Bridge. How art thou? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here, that's one thing. Yeah, well, look, Dale, every week you're here, I'm amazed, and every week <laughs> I'm here, I'm amazed. Me too. You know, two old fuddy daddies. <laughs> Pretty All much. Right. Now, Jessica, you're a bit shocked that we don't do any research and we rely on our <laughs> producers to find people, but that's the type of program we are. We have no preconceptions about you because our listeners have no preconceptions about you, except maybe one or two who know you. So now, introduce our guest again, please. Jessica Morrison on Radical Australia. Hi, everybody. <laughs> now, young Jessica, I only asked two questions. The first one takes two seconds to answer, and the second one takes 55 minutes. The first question is, just to orientate listeners, what year were you born? 1976. So you're still a youngster. Well, no, I'm quite embracing being middle-aged, actually. Yeah, yeah. I really? think we've Well, we've got the cult of youth mm. in our society, so mm. I'm, I'm mm. quite... No, no, I'm middle-aged. I'm yeah. no spring chicken. Yeah. I'm no wise elder either. I'm somewhere in the middle, and mm. I've got to, you know, yeah. listen to both ends of the spectrum. And No, I'm, I'm up for being middle-aged. You'll get a headache if you listen to both ends of the spectrum. You know that. There'll be old farts like me carrying on and young farts carrying on. Well, isn't that the way that we've got to navigate the present? What well, is That we listen so to the wisdom you? of the past. And the passion of the youth, and we find our way through. Passion, isn't that a wonderful word, Jessica? Fantastic word. People have forgotten about it. I was yeah. talking this morning about indifference, apathy, cynicism, and you're talking about passion. Yes. Well, when I was a teenager mm. and a fundamentalist Christian, mm. the word we used all the time was zeal. Yes. We talked about zeal, and it was my favourite word. Zealots, that's right. Yeah, I was, well, I, nobody called me a zealot. I probably would have been a bit scared, but it was a, <laughs> probably a true definition. Uh, but, right. yeah, that idea of being zealous. Yeah, like, passion. Yeah. Passion. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah. That's what makes us human. Now, the second question is what's the first thing you remember? Well, memory's always fascinating, but I can remember riding my three-wheeler trike. There's lots of photos of it, so it's a photographic-mediated memory. Mm -hmm. My three-wheeler trike up and down my balcony. Your balcony. Yes, in Anglesey. Mm -hmm. So there's always this beautiful, you smell the sea, you hear the sea, eucalypts everywhere. And apparently the memory comes before 7am most mornings, the Mm -hmm. adults who who lived around me at the time say, where I would ride my little trike up and down the the balcony. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Could you see through the balcony? Well, even before this, I fell through the balcony. You fell through the balcony. Yes. How far did you fall? Well, I fell off a first floor balcony as a two-year-old. Does that explain your passion? Did you get a head injury or something? (laughs) Some some may say. (laughs) You remember falling as a two-year-old? No, I don't remember falling at all. That's why my trike story. So we were... We had a first house on this block. Mm. Mum and Dad were one of the first kind of crew to, to mm. kind of build in this area of the little town. And it was we lost the first house in the bushfire, Ash Wednesday. And then they were re- while they were rebuilding. Now, that doesn't make sense with the years. But anyway. Yeah. You remember falling through the balcony? Must have been the first house. Could have anyway. been. No wonder it burnt down. There's been punished. That's right. There's been punished <laughs> for being naughty to you. The zealousness of somebody else. Right, so uh, are your parents still alive? They are. What type of people yeah. are they? Well, my dad's just finished the tour de Timor, uh-huh. where my sister lives. So my dad gets more feisty the older he gets. Mm. And so he's just done this bike ride where you go up and down the mountains of Timor-Leste um, in a bit of a tour, tour de France takeoff. So that's what he's done. And uh, he always argued for me the entrepreneurial right-wing end of the spectrum. Mm. And then my mum was a public school teacher right. who was faithful to her family and her work. And she was the kind of solid egg, who, right. you know. Who she I, grounded you. Yeah. So mm. in the early 1990s, when Jeff Kennett was in power, I got to hear why he was an asshole mm. and why he was... He was doing some good things. That's and so right. I got to participate in these arguments and make up my own mind. Oh, that's excellent. Now, getting yeah. back to the 70s, um, I assume you went to some type of kindergarten or... Yes, I went to Bond Beach Primary... Uh, to Hang Bond on. Beach Kinder, maybe? Hang on. You're living in Anglesey. Oh, no. What's happened? Well, before, before we moved to Anglesey... Mm. My dad was a surfer from way back, and before he landed himself work down there, we'd spend most of the weekends down the coast. Right. But, yes, we lived... He was an entrepreneurial surfer, wasn't he? Yes. He wasn't making surfboards and selling T-shirts. No. 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 Mm. He worked in the very early days of Quicksilver. All right. So we got to be part of that from where it grew from a little family business to a... You know, humongous enterprise. Mm-hmm. Have you got any brothers and sisters? I've got three little sisters. Three little sisters. You're yeah. the eldest. I am. Yeah. They say that makes me bossy. But no. You know. No, no, Jessica, you're not bossy. <laughs> you got you got no idea what bossy is. <laughs> Dale, am I bossy? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's it. See. I'm bossy. You're not. You're pleasant. Three you little only sisters. You just met me, Joe. Well, you're still pleasant because hopefully I won't see you again after the interview. <laughs> And I'll have these pleasant memories. And that's the sort of movement we're building. I yeah. hope you'll ne- we'll never see you again. Again, that's right. Because it's so big. It's so <laughs> big, right. you know. <laughs> so, kindergarten at Bond Beach. What do you remember? The fire truck coming to visit. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's exciting. It was pretty exciting. It is for a little kitty, this yeah. huge fire truck and yeah. all the fire people. And that's it. So I don't find kindergarten stories that exciting. Not Sorry, really. Joe. You didn't meet the love of your life or no. nothing like that at kindergarten? Didn't bite the little kid next to you? No. no. I got in the newspaper for the first time. What did you do? I think I was just climbing some equipment. I don't no. think, I don't, you know how they just make local news stories yeah, yeah, about yeah. nothing? Yeah, 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 yeah. Jessica climbing the new equipment at the new kindergarten. Yes. Mm. All right. This is, this is really riveting radio. 
Do you want to talk about kindergarten? Well, that's, it is rivets then. We want to show where people come from, how they become these big bad activists in yeah. later lives. So we've just got to do it, you know, slowly. Now, did you go to Bond Beach Primary or did you no. go to Anglesey? No. Well, I went, I went, my first term mm. was at maybe, oh, I can't remember, sorry mum, um, to, to somewhere down there. Yep. I had my first, but I spent... The first term with the measles, I think, uh-huh. and then we nicked down the coast. To live permanently. To live permanently. So where, where did you where did you nick down to? To uh, Anglesey. Primary where school. I, yeah, Anglesey Primary, where I spent every year of my life in the on the same block of land, two different mm-hmm. houses, but mm-hmm. my whole childhood was spent in the same house. Well, that's lovely. It is. Yeah. It's, it's constant. You know, you need that constancy. I reckon. I reckon. Yeah, that there was a nice stability of it. Yeah, you got you got friends, you got the same friends, the same school. You just yeah. grow up in the same environment. It's, yeah, got it's to wonderful. explore the bush. You yeah. knew where all the little places to hide were. Well, where, where were you hiding? Well, we're just you know, there's a little bit of pocket of bush uh-huh. out the back of Anglesey. Uh-huh. There's always great things to explore. So you didn't have helicopter parents then? No, we did not. No, I no. remember in my well, I'm much older than you. Mum would say. After breakfast, make sure you come home before it gets dark. And that's it. Yeah. That was it. You'd leave it about seven and come back at seven. Yes. We so went, you had that type of childhood? We did. We did. Yeah. Like we could go and walk along the beach for mm. hours and yeah. hours. And it felt mm. like a great adventure and the mm. tides coming in and mm. could we get round this little mm. rock shelf before the tide came in or did we have to scramble up the rocks? Mm. It was great fun. So what was school like at primary school at Anglesey? Well, I remember I, it was good. I tended to hang out with the boys a lot. They were all into surfing. My family was into surfing, mm-hmm. so I had something to talk to yeah. them about. Didn't really find the conversations about dolls and other things as riveting. I got into long-distance running. The in longest, primary school? In primary school. The longest distance I've ever run was when I was nine years old. And it was, <laughs> was 16 kilometres. You ran 16... I did. Isn't that child abuse? Well, <laughs> I do look back and wonder that I might have been a little bit too driven, yeah. even at that age. Right. But it was called... Was it called the Sun Fun Run? The Sun Fun Run, oh yeah, fun. It's running yeah. 16 kilometres. But you got to jog over the Westgate Bridge. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was probably one of my first outings to Melbourne yeah, as well. Yeah, I, was, uh, I saw my daughter and her partner last night and I got a two-year-old grandson and he was walking around some bloody oval in Seaford. You know, the, the child abuse occurs now, you know, he was trying to raise some money for something, you know. <laughs> but they did have little characters, you know, Tinkerbell and all that stuff. Now, getting back, so, big, strong, confident young girl. Yep. High school. Where? Oberon High School. Oberon. Did your mum teach at Oberon? No, she um, taught at different primary schools. So because I was the oldest, she didn't get back into full-time teaching until the youngest went to school. Mm -hmm. So she did some teaching around Geelong and down near us. But, yeah, at that point, she was just making us scones at the end of the day. That's very nice. No, no, talk about love and stability. It just doesn't explain what you've become. No. Something's going on somewhere. Well, except I, I disagree. I actually think that because I knew that I was loved and stable and mm. life was good, it's when I started to notice that life wasn't as good for everybody else mm. that things started to get more complicated. When did you notice that? Well, I had some friends at school mm. whose lives were much more difficult. And so... What, family, racial, 
What, what was it? Yeah, mostly family stuff. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, but around poverty as well, like noticing that there was some, one of my best mates at high school had moved around for most of his childhood because they mm. needed to get away from his violent dad. Mm. And they kind of lived on the bones of their bum, mm. you know. Mm. So, yeah, so, and just noticing that, you know, there's, People have got tricky personal circumstances. Um, it was an incredibly white school I went to. What, they painted the house? The yeah. school white, didn't they? They did. We were almost painted ourselves white. white. Yeah, I there think was, there was... There was, no, there was no, much... What, what no, there was one Greek kid, oh. there was one of my friends. Only one. Yeah, had a Pacific Islander background, right. and that was about it. So and a Kiwi kid. Yeah. Just, just explain, where exactly is Oberon High School in Geelong? What part of Geelong? It's in Belmont. Oh, Belmont. That's really yes. not part of Geelong, is it? Kind of a suburb, you know. You wouldn't call Belmont Geelong, would you? Oh, it was pretty cool for a kid from, you yeah. know, down the coast. coast yeah. So what, yeah. you bust in every day? We all bust in every day. Uh, 7.43, yeah. yep. had to leave the house to get the first bus that uh-huh. took us into Anglesey. Right. And then there were about seven buses. And seven buses? Yes, because it was all Anglesey and yeah. Lawn and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we all swapped buses depending on which school we were going to. Yeah. All went to Geelong. All went to Geelong. Yeah. And you went to Oberon. I went to Oberon. Public school, I see. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What did you learn? Oh, I, high school was fantastic for me. Mm-hmm. I so yeah. Look, I it, again, it was a place that allowed me to thrive. I did debating stuff, and I did kind of drama, and I did you know. I, I, I just thought you were going to say you did drugs when you were like that. You were <laughs> drama. I thought, oops. <laughs> No, just drama, right? Debating. Uh, yeah, no. So the D, d- drama, yeah. debating. What else? Yeah, no drugs. That's sad because that would have been a nice triptych, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, I'll be young for it. No, and like, like I, you know, I was quite into schoolwork. Right. And so I learned, and and there were teachers who just really cared. Yeah, and then I. You mean the stereotype of public school teachers being, you know, losers isn't right? T- didn't fit my experience. The only thing was, there's mm-hmm. a teacher who has since passed away mm-hmm. who used to make the most kind of misogynistic comments. Mass mm-hmm. teacher he was. Mm-hmm. He used to make all these misogynistic comments about women can't do mass. Mm-hmm. And I actually think it was his, you know, Way reverse psychology. Salty, that's right. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I did hard mass in year yeah. 12 just to show him. That's right. And how did you go? I did great. Well, there you are. There Reverse you psychology. Reverse. A bit of resilience. Isn't yeah. that the key word there? So, and ever since, if a bloke tells me I can't do something, <laughs> yeah. I almost have to check that I want to do it because otherwise I'll be like, I'll show you. You can't do this interview. <laughs> See? So, I, it, so, so you did. And how about your sporting progress? No more of these 16-kilometre races. Did you surf? or No. No, oh, I didn't really do much surfing. Oh. I did a bit of cross-country jogging. Yeah, but yeah, that was about it. Yeah, yeah. didn't do a lot. Nothing Didn't do a lot. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I went jogging before mm, school, mm, but mm. none of the crazy distances. These debates, were they? Were you part of the debating uh, team in, in the school? Well, we didn't quite have a debating team. Right. So you didn't, you didn't compete with other schools? No, I did. Rotary had a program. That's right, yeah. Rostrum Youth of the Year. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And it skips a few seasons because I had a naughty season as a teenager. You had a naughty season? Yeah, and then oh. I became a fundamentalist Christian. Excuse me, you had a naughty season. How yes. old were you when you had your naughty season? About 
13, 12, 13. Now, the good thing is that there's no kiddies going home on the school bus listening to this program. So <laughs> what's been naughty at 12 or 13? Were you just rebellious? Or? Well, it's just rebellious. One of the things mm. I'm most ashamed of is that, not because it was bad, but because it was hurtful, mm-hmm. I wrote, Miss Bottrell is a bitch right. on the blackboard. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was being so tough. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So cool. Seven year, well, grade seven, I assume. Oh, maybe year eight. eight. Yeah, maybe yeah. year eight. And what would you write that for? See, I don't even know. Mm. I was just cheeky naughty. Uh. I was just wanting to be, you know. Uh-huh. Anyway, I, I've been trying to find her ever since. Well, can you apologise publicly <laughs> yes. now? Miss Bottrell, formerly of Oberon High School, I'm sorry for making your life hell. Oh, that's lovely. That's good. Yeah. Oh, I'm pleased. So, yeah, so I got suspended a bit. I was just, I mean, mm. I was never outrageous. No. I think I did give three boys blood noses. Did you? Mm. Yeah. And I did, there was a while where I was known as the girl who did things behind the shelter shed. Like smoking, hopefully. Well, that 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 was probably part That's of it. Bit, yeah, yeah. I won't, we won't go down that path. <laughs> you know, it is an afternoon program. <laughs> and you're only twelve or thirteen. I don't want people knocking on the door and terminating the interview. So, what? How come you saw the light on the road to Damascus? How come you just changed three hundred and sixty degrees? You went from naughty little girl to fundamentalist Christian. What happened? Well. With the wisdom of middle-aged life, (laughs) at the time it seemed 180 degrees. You know, I stopped smoking, I stopped swearing, I stopped getting in trouble. So on that really superficial level... Why did you do that? Well, I met some some guys who turned up at a church on motorbikes. All right, go on. And their story was convincible. I mean, I'd grown up in the church. Like, I didn't want to be a bad person. I was just cheeky and naughty. I didn't want to be bad. But I did want to fight for something, you know? I wanted my life to count for something. You sound like one of those protesters that joins protests to meet people. Sorry? You sound protests to meet people, you know, to get, you know, have have a relationship. Here you are, you're a bad girl. Boys turn up in a motorbike at your church. You think, wow. I know. Well, In other contexts, they call it horizontal recruitment. Really. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think what it was was that I was I was angsty. Like yeah. I was really angsty and mm. in all that teenage kind of mm. stuff you are. Mm. And they provided some nice, easy solutions mm. about something you could be passionate about mm. that would make a difference. Mm. And what so, church was this? Oh, it was a tiny little right-wing cult. And then I ended yeah. up in fundamentalist Christian kind of... Right. Um, so what were they promising? Why were they so attractive to you? Uh, it was a meaningful life. Meaningful. A meaningful life. Mm. And I was a little bit obsessed with people going to hell at that point. Really? So, yes, mm. my sister still talks about being traumatised about it. <laughs> <laughs> but you telling people. And I do remember there was, a, uh, again, creative high school teachers. Yes. There was some sort of fishbowl bowl exercise they did because mm-hmm. I found a few other fundamentalist recruits. And I, oh. remember, I remember a few of us sitting in some sort of fishbowl exercise where I think she tried to help us understand one another uh, right. and maybe help us understand why we were being so offensive. Now, look, I'm a bit concerned here, Jessica. You got recruits, Christian fundamentalist recruits. Are they still in the church, or because you know you may have to apologise for that? I might, <laughs> I might have to apologise to my whole school at this point. <laughs> All right, so you graduated. 
Yes. So what I was going to say, though, I'm not sure if it was a 180-degree turn no. because it's something, you know... You, you needed a bit of structure, did you? Well, you want something to fight for or to mm. to mm. be yours that mm. you kind of, you know, run with. What, what other topics were you debating in high school? Well, my Rostrum Youth of the Year speech, mm. I think, was about why abortion was an abomination. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good. That's what I... Good. <laughs> well, you were passionate. <laughs> and was did you bring in the Hades and the brimstone and the fire into your No, seat? well... Did you get a big round of applause from those old elderly folk at the rostrum? Well, I do remember somebody, um, an old guy of yeah. some stature saying, that girl's got raw passion. Raw passion? Yeah. yeah right, I was like, yeah, oh, well, yeah, yeah. what she was saying was pretty yeah, problematic, yeah, look, but I, she's got passion. Uh, can I make a confession, Jessica? Yes. In 1966, I think, Yes. I did the same rostrum thing. It was Rotary used to run it. And I spoke, and I had passion, but I spoke about the joys of the Cultural Revolution in China. Really? Yes. Wow. See, that's a much more interesting teenage journey that that's where you got to. That's right. When you were a teenager. When I was 16, yeah. So it's interesting, isn't it? Where did that come from? God only knows. Who knows? Sorry, God. No, that's not true. You're dodging the question. Well, yeah, yeah I'm interviewing you, okay? That's the way it goes. I ask the questions, you answer them. You right? the bossy one. <laughs> All right, you leave high school. Did yes, you graduate? I did. Did you get a little certificate? I got a big certificate. And what did yep. it say you could do? Uh, well, I worked pretty hard. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I could do almost anything. That's brilliant, especially, yes. you know, that's yes. good. And what did you decide to do? I decided to do social work because mm-hmm. I wanted to beat a paper that would justify helping other people. Well, you still look fundamentalist Christian at that yeah, stage. You were. So it kind of fits social work, yeah. yeah. Fits nursing. Not that yeah. nursing was at university in those days. You could have done medicine. I almost did law because oh. I... I and I hung out with my dad's best man for a week, who mm-hmm. was, who's the best of kind of criminal lawyers. Yep, he was yep. kind of, you know, yep. did all legal aid stuff. And mm. thought, oh, these poor people are going to court, mm. and they need to be helped. Mm. But I want to help them in ways that aren't just about getting them off. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what, so. did you, what did your parents think about your zeal? They were really distressed, <laughs> actually. <laughs> I can imagine. You're the type that would have joined IS. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yes. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, so they're an, a lovely old elder mm-hmm. in our community who was also a, a church minister but mm-hmm. much more liberal. Mm-hmm. He said to my mum, it's a journey. Spirituality <laughs> is a journey and she'll grow out of this. Right. So my parents just bathed their time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Do they embarrass hoping. you these days about the period? No, no, not as much as they certainly could. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So did you finish your social work degree? I did. I did. I where finished my social work. Where did you do that? I did it at Melbourne Uni. Oh, that's very good. And it was, it was fantastic. I did mm. a Bachelor of Arts as well because I had to, mm-hmm. and I'm so grateful for that model because mm. my world had to get bigger. And I, you know, I, there were a whole lot of people who identified as liberal Christian and I went to the socialist groups and the amnesty groups and mm. the this groups and the that group. And suddenly it was an opportunity for the world to get bigger for me mm. and for a little bit of fluidity or at least some questions about my, my kind of staunch views. Mm. Were, you, were you living in Melbourne or commuting? I was living in Melbourne. I wanted to get away from home. 
I got married. You got married. Yes. How old were you? I was 20 when 20, I got married. Another young fellow from the Christian church. He was. He yeah. was. Oh, that's yep. nice. Yeah. So, yep, he proposed to me my first week out of home, which in hindsight was, you know, not about love but about fear, I suspect. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, but anyway, we uh, make lots of decisions. Well, we make decisions and we just ride through them. That's yep. it. Then we can't change the past. The past yep. is the past. Yeah. But I'll just ask you one question about the marriage. How long did it last? Just under five years. Five years. That's good. So through the university time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Hmm. I said, well, what, what made you separate? Our lives were just going in completely different directions. What yeah. do you mean? And we were fundamentally unsuited. I just was too young to notice it at mm. the time. Mm. And I think for our first few years, we had a common focus, which was for us both to finish university and, you know, to get through that time. So we b- b- both worked and both mm. studied to get ourselves through. Mm. And then when... When we finished, I went out west to work as a social worker. West. Out west. My first job what was in Sunshine. What do you mean? Oh, Sunshine. I thought you went out west, <laughs> like Winton or Billawheeler. You know. Not that west. Not that west. <laughs> sunshine. Yep. Okay. So I, worked, I was working in Sunshine and he was working in the corporate world. Yeah. Well, what was he, a corporate social worker? No, no <laughs> IT. IT, right. Yeah. So, yeah. So then we realised that actually our hopes and dreams and visions, even at that stage, Mm. were so different. Mm. And my politics were starting to shift. and Mm. So everything was starting to shift and we were just going in different directions. Well, you're really quite brave, both of you, because a lot of people just continue and continue and continue and continue and 25 years later they decide to separate. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting because I continued to and continue to take my spirituality very seriously. And a Uniting Church minister said to me, she said, Jess, my understanding of the idea of sin is that which separates us from our deep true self and therefore the divine. She said, what I'm hearing is there's nothing life-giving about your relationship for either of you. So she said, maybe maybe to stay in it is the sinful thing because it's that which is shutting down life. So that kind of started me being able to reshape my spirituality. Mm. You said your political position changed. What happened? Well, I realised that society was not just about individuals being nice to each other, that through my experience, mostly working through Sunshine, and in Sunshine I'm really grateful for all the people who shared their experiences, that I realised that actually we have a fundamentally unequal society that's set up to, you know, privilege some over others and Mm. actually to be... To love to love one another means to try and fundamentally reshape our social our society mm. because we cannot be loving while we're bombing some people and we can't be loving while we're you know uh, there's a whole lot of people living on the bones of their bum and because our social security system's inadequate and we can't love one another while we have you know mm. systems of education that uh, so you know and and racism and sexism and all these things kind of I was like oh well loving one another is suddenly a political Hmm. So it's interesting how you've melded the political and the religious. Yes. It's fascinating. Look, it's 4.30. This is Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. We're chatting. We're not interviewing. We're chatting with Jessica Morrison, who's relaxed now, and this is when we can hit her over the head. Yeah. Even though Joe won't tell us about how he ended up talking about the cultural revolution in his teenage years. I can't remember. I'm too old. Crap. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, Dale Bridge is doing all the hard work to ensure us minions are heard by the millions of people out there. 
Okay. Um, what was the main issues, do you think, in Sunshine with your work? What were, the, what were people coming to you for? What, why were they referred to you? Well, they're two different questions, really. Mm. I mean, why people were coming to me mm. was actually a, quite a, a way down the track from why they were needing to come to me. Mm. So... So they were needing to come to us because there was a huge disinvestment in public housing and a huge increase in private rent. So housing suddenly became much more difficult. There was a, the manufacturing industry had been restructured and so all these people who had, had survived for decades on relatively, you know, quote unquote unskilled labour suddenly couldn't get work. And the, we suddenly had this kind of wave of poker machines that hit our communities and we're hitting disadvantaged communities at far more um, increased proportion than other places. So they were all the structural issues coming to me. So what's always tempting in the social work tradition is to either say, are we looking at the structural problems or the personal problems? So the, And our organisation had traditionally gone, oh, these people don't have enough food, let's work out what's wrong with them. Whereas I was really fortunate to be mentored by a whole lot of great radical folks who'd been working in community service and their question was actually very different. It's what's going on in our society that these people don't have enough to eat. So what years were these we were talking about? Uh, so, early 2000s. Yeah, you told me you were very good at maths. So you weren't lying to me. I was good at calculus, <laughs> Joe. Calculus, okay. 20 years ago, I was good I, at calculus I, for a brief time to show up I could teacher. see those wheels turning around there. <laughs> I was a bit worried for a minute. <laughs> so how long did you last in that job? I was there for five years. That's, that's, a, that's a very long time for that type of, because that's hard emotionally oh, draining it was amazing work, work mm, though like mm, and victoria mm. university which is the bastion of radical yeah. social work mm. well, certainly was at that time mm. like we did lots of great partnership stuff and we mm. ran community campaigns i won my first ever campaign what was that in sunshine it was against the western bulldogs footy club what i know i know <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm glad it, well, you weren't here last year. We'd get hung. Yeah, well, no, no, that's right. Everything's nuanced. So what happened? So they wanted to set up a pokey machine venue in the middle of Sunshine Shopping Centre. Why not? Well, it would have been a great money spinner for them. And it was, yeah, so yeah. it was at the time when we were just starting to mm. come to terms with the harms. And it was amazing. So how did you organise, were you an organiser for the campaign? Or well, you I was. And, and there is lots that I learnt from that campaign and there was far too much of my ego in it. But, yeah, mm. so we ended up coordinating lots of grassroots stuff and mm. connected with some policy makers and did some creative, we, you know, put in a submission to the task force and got a whole lot of people or invited a whole lot of people to tell their stories about gambling stuff and we're on today tonight and mm -hmm. you know we it was this amazing thing and then we ended up at vcat and and we won you won so that i mean that was it that was community it. campaigning works yep. and you win you That's get right. what you ask for and the key is you've got to be very clear about what you want and you can't make it too airy fairy or ideological, it's got to be practical because that's yes. what the institutions are structured yes. around, you know? Which, which would be a good segue for the next mm. 10 years of my campaigning kind of, you know. 10 years? Really. Yes. 
well, well wasn't, I'm stretching a little Wasn't winning one campaign enough? Couldn't you put that on your wall and say, Jessica has won this, I can now retire? Yeah, now I can go back to just helping people. Yeah, get, get remarried, get remarried, you know, have kids and all that. Yeah. Well, what happened? Why, what, what, did you get addicted to campaigning? Well, suddenly we could make a difference. Right. Yeah. So this idea that we're actually we could create change mm. if we work together mm. on a specific cause. Mm. And so I started to ask questions about, well, what else is holding us back? And, you know, and there were a whole lot of waves of migrants, some amazing women who were coming out of Iraq and Afghanistan. And I started to sit and hear their stories. You know, I thought, oh, what if we didn't spend all the money on bombing their countries but instead built better international infrastructure you know we had more generous aid programs or we built you know better local infrastructure so it it was clearly you know we've got a mm. we're making clear decisions about where we're spending our resources what happened to religion well I, well we beca- i became a kind of jesus became the non-violent radical oh right, right. yes yeah, which, it, he, which he was you know well it certainly is my view now yeah, right the right. 18 year old self might be quite shocked but yeah somehow and you know i Mm -hmm. credit this spirituality to being bigger than us as individuals Mm -hmm. like yeah so i was i got exposed to lots of radical christian ideas about what it meant to shake society and yeah Mm -hmm. bonhoeffer that said you know we're not just called to Mm -hmm. bandage the wounds of those who are um, injured by oppression, but to jam a spoke in the wheel mm. of the wheels of oppression. You use the word spirituality. Has that got anything to do with God? For me, it does. But I'm aware that that it, you know spirituality can be a lot broader. Mm. And also, I think. But how do you define it in your life? What's spirituality to you? Uh, for me, spirituality is. For, in terms of my journey, yes, rather than defining spirituality yeah. broadly. Yeah. So for me, it means inspired by the stories of Jesus and many others throughout history and the story of the Hebrew Scriptures and what we call the New Testament, a commitment to living love. Mm-hmm. Do people need that to be an activist? I need that to be an activist. No, but do other you think you think no. it's a prerequisite? No, it's just your thing. Well, there's people with all sorts of worldviews have been amazing human beings mm. and amazing activists. Mm. Yeah. So going back to your experience with the Iraqi and Af- Afghani women. Yeah. So what, what did you what, what did you plot? Well, I I started to become on the fring, involved in the fringes of the anti-war movement. Mm-hmm. And I was in this little idyllic Christian community in Scotland. Scot- when did you get to Scotland? You didn't tell us this. No, no, I'm just... I'm just when did this happen? Come on, we've only got 20 minutes to go. And what happened? How did you... How did you <laughs> hey, I look at the clock. You know, that's why you're looking at the door. That's where you're going. Scotland, well, when did you get to Scotland? Go well, on. I had the end of my first kind of period of kind of social work stuff, and my heart was a bit sore, and I was a bit yeah, burnt yeah. out. No, I can understand. So I went for a trip. Uh-huh. So, and I went... You know, a bit like lots of white Aussies yeah, yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. I went to Scotland and yeah. Ireland. And, yeah. and you yeah. found an intentional Christian community in Scotland? Yes. What was, yeah. what was, apart from being cold and miserable, what was good about it? Well, it was this little place where for centuries people have wrestled with what does it mean to be a good person and what does it mean to share that which is good. 
mm. you know. And, you know, it had this big revival in the 1950s where lefty Christians kind of retook over this old abbey and set up a community and their questions were how do we mm. make this world more just. Mm. So I was there and, you know, this ancient abbey and the bells tolling and green pastures and the wild kind of rocks of the... Mm. Hebrides of Scotland. And the funny Celtic crosses. Yeah, which earth. I just find, the, oh, you know, that Celtic spiritual, the earth and passion. mystical and passionate. That's and right. Who knows what might happen. And, and so I was in this amazing place and then the war plane started flying overhead. <laughs> that brought you back to reality. Did they say... They're yeah, war planes, Jessica. Yeah. You thought, oh, they were just tourists. Yeah, and we decided that, <clears throat> I mean, the warden, mm. the woman who is currently in charge of the community, was mm. in jail for um, protesting against Trident stuff, I think. Mm. So she wasn't there that day. Mm. But the rest of us had all agreed that if, if the war on Iraq started, we would all go to the Abbey and pray. Mm. And there was just that... D- I mean, for me, it, it meant digging into my spiritual tra- tradition and acknowledging all that is fundamentally wrong, mm. you know, with our tax dollars, with our, you know, the mm. West is off mm. to bomb mm. Iraq, and it was horrific. So were you deported for beating um, swords into plowshares? No. You weren't. I, I just prayed at you that point. You just prayed. Fair I'm enough. I'm still all on right. my journey. Good. You came back to Australia, and so what did you do? Yes. Um, I eventually got back to Australia, and somebody, there's kind of an interesting tradition called Catholic worker communities. Yes, I know about that. Yeah. And they do ask that question. Mm. And they say, what if those of us who believe in peace took this as seriously as those who believe in war? Mm. So, yeah, so the next week I was in Queensland lying in front of a military base on mm. a road mm. um, where there were big military exercises going on. Was that Shoalhaven, is it? Shoalwater Bay. Shoalwater Bay, Yeah. Right. And for me, it felt like an embodiment. Like mm. I, I love direct action because you get to use your body mm. and, and literally go, nah, mm. over, you know, over my body, mm. over my body. When something as horrific as the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq have been, you know, like it's very difficult to see what one can do about it. Mm. You know, it's so big and the military industrial complex is so solid. And in that moment... I lay on the road and... Hopefully for one or two other people. Yes, there were six of us. Good. (laughs) Yep. And interestingly enough for me, I began to pray in tongues, which I hadn't done since I was a teenager. Mm, So it was this kind of, you know, there was something that was deep in me that that was wanting to express. You think it was fear? No, no, it was like a groaning of that. Like, it's just so screwed. Mm. And you look at all these resources that were mm. going into these war games, mm. and it just was so wrong on just, you know, it's, so it felt like a groaning. So how long did you participate in these type of activities? What, the next few years? Or? Yeah, about eight years. Yeah, and tell, yeah. Us, tell us some of the more memorable moments of your direct action. Um, what are some of the most memorable moments? I remember, again, there's a Christian tradition of... Um, uh, that's come out of Latin America <clears throat> from the the base communities there um, of of naming people who've died and you say presente mm-hmm. they're here present with us actually I don't even know maybe I'm co-opting that maybe it's not a Christ- Christian tradition It'd be very unusual for Christians to you know co-opt things <laughs> <laughs> 
So we got we we used to do this um, as, as part of lots of our military actions, and so we had just been found in the middle of Shawwater Bay, and we set ourselves up a little shrine, and we were remembering those who died, and a soldier who was there standing guard with us, <coughs> guard of us, over you, yeah. yes, over us, in a, in one of these pauses, shared a name of his friend, right. who died and been killed in the war. Mm. So, for me, for me, connecting with soldiers and their grief was kind of, you know, a very interesting part of all that. Yeah. I mean, there was some, you know, fun stuff. You know, what it means to hold, hang off a bridge or to, you know. What do you mean, hang off a bridge? What are you hanging off a bridge for? Why, why wouldn't you hang off a bridge? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'd fall. That's why I wouldn't hang off a bridge. Uh, I'd only kind of last about two seconds. Well, it's the idea that you're getting in the way. So right, you climb yeah. up a bridge mm. or you lie across a road mm, or you mm. climb a fence or lock up. Yeah, but you're not road. hanging off the bridge if you're lying across the road. You're lying on the bridge. That's right. Well, so what, what were you doing hanging off a bridge? Well, were you going to fall into a submarine or something underneath you? No, we weren't. Why were we <laughs> hanging off the bridge? Well, I think we couldn't get around the corner. Oh, right. I think that was the problem. We'd climbed onto the bridge and we're trying to get around onto the road. Oh, right. Okay, that's all. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was an unusual tactic. I just wanted to, you know, flesh it out just yeah. in case I could use it, you know. <laughs> I don't think I will. But I think some, the most memorable thing is about the communities of resistance that you build and what mm. it means to all come together mm. and brainstorm and think about what it is and practice resisting. It, it is a deep deep vein in the Christian activism, you know, the war, the anti-war resistor. I mean, it's been going on for generations. Mm. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. So and it's interesting. Did you, did, did you work, sorry, did you work with Christian community, intentional Christian communities from around Australia? Or? Yeah. Yeah, there's mm. quite a network of people mm. who identify as Christian anarchists yeah. who, who have spent lots of time doing anti-war stuff and there's mm. some folks about to go to court for for some actions at Pine Gap yes. later this year. Mm. So mm. There, there's a big tradition of it. And, you know, we're all feisty, so we often fight, but we're kind of mm. connected in a mob as well. Yeah, what were you going to say? Sorry, I interrupted rudely before. Don't know. This Don't know. You forgot, did you? I, yeah. thought, I thought you were a genius, but you're not, obviously. You're just one of us. <laughs> this is the beauty, isn't it? To be an activist, you don't need to be anything, do you? Well, you, just, you need to make a stand. The risk is that we think we need to know all the answers. Yeah, it? That's yeah. the risk I fall into. But we, we haven't got all the answers and we never will. I wish we could. But I, I still do you think it makes any difference, knowing all the answers? I think still deep in my gut I have this, really? Is this what the world looks like? Mm. Like at a really base level, I think. Of all of what we know and all of, like, yeah. So at a really base level, I've, I still find it unfathomable mm. that people will die hungry tonight. That It people, is unfathomable, you're right. Yeah, and that we will bomb each other and That's shoot right. each other. and To see half a million people cross a border in a few weeks, just beyond comprehension. Yeah. I've seen people slaughter each other for five years in Syria. People using religious belief to do the most heinous crimes. I, it's like, on a human level, it's unfathomable, isn't mm, it? Right? Mm, like mm. Well, about um, I had a friend who came from Bosnia, and they were Muslims, and they lived in the same village for over 150 years, and it was a mixed village. There were Croatians, mm. Serbians, you know, Muslims, Christians, Orthodox in this little village, yeah. middle of nowhere up in the hills, 
And he said to me, as soon as the militia came in, everything changed. These relationships they'd had for so long changed. And they were lucky because they weren't slaughtered. They were given the opportunity to leave. They had 24 hours to leave everything that they had behind. And these are people that have been going to each other's, you know, religious things, going to each other's weddings, eating at the same table. It's just extraordinary how it can all change in a second. Yes. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I because find. Because there are interests to keep us separated, mm. to divide us and to, to fuel mm. hatred. And, like, mm. there are interests that it serves. But I'm astounded that I think we fall for it. Mm. I assume you've got a um, five-bedroom house with uh, uh, jacuzzi and all these things now that you're middle-aged. I have an outdoor bath. You have an outdoor bath. Which I am incredibly excited about. It's been what I've been wanting to have for a long time. And out of my rough trade group, my local rough trade group, someone was giving away an old Uh bath. Uh And I've set it up in my backyard with a fire pit under it. With a fire pit. Have you used it yet? Oh, so many times. Like, Uh in terms of sensual pleasures. Right, sensual, yes. (laughs) You know, I don't think an outdoor bath has much to compare mm. it to. Like, mm. it is just mm. lying underneath the stars in a bath, yeah. heated by a fire. I think... So I think, that's better than a jacuzzi. I think, I think you found the meaning of life. <laughs> oh, I mean, come on. I'm impressed. Or at least a bit of balance. No, no, meaning of life. <laughs> meaning of life. Have you, have you had an outdoor fellow bath? No. Oh, not You're not inviting me, are you? No, I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> no, but well, you don't share baths. So I understand that. Yeah. 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 So an outdoor bath. Yes. And just generally, where is this in regional Victoria? Or? No, no, West Heidelberg. In West Heidelberg. Yes. How do you get away from having a, uh, an outdoor bath of a fire pit in West Heidelberg? Why would you not? Well, doesn't anybody complain? No. Got high walls. Well, it's probably a little bit risky, mm. but you know. But you do it at night. Yeah. Yeah, just like all good deviants. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that's good. And you're happy now? Yes. Why? Yes. Well, I think, I mean, I keep doing activist stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute, you know, that's getting a bit boring. Don't look at the clock, that's my job, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I think... I think the older I get, a, a friend of mine the other day said <clears throat> she she used to look at at middle age activists and say, "Oh, you've all sold out, you know." What? Yeah, you oh, don't I don't take this as seriously as it did. And I think I think the older I get, the more I realise that I've got to. I guess what Gandhi would talk about: invest in the positive program stuff. Mm. We can't have all our lives being that which is against. Yep. And fighting against. That's right. And I was determined not to become an angry, burnt-out activist. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard. When you're mm-hmm. looking at the worst of humanity mm-hmm. and the worst of what we do to each other, it's really hard not that's to right. become depressed or angry or, you know, alcoholic or one of those things to try and, you know, how you cope with that stuff. Mm. So, I mean, I'm still pretty crap at it. But I've been trying to do things that also feed... My soul and my heart and my body and my... You know, like what? Like my fire bar. Yes, that's yes. one. We know about that one. Yes. 
like spending time in the bush. Right. I've been planting trees. I'm, I'm sounding very middle-aged at the moment. But, like, I planted some trees over just before winter and to watch them grow. It's extraordinary, isn't it? It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I've just, I just noticed that I was feeling a bit tired and grumpy at everybody again. Mm. And I'm going to take my nephew to go and see Monster Jam, Good. which is all the monster drunk trucks. They're, they're great. Yeah. Well, I've been to them. They're yep. great. And, um, you know, some kids... I mean, I mean, simple pleasures like that, they really don't hurt anybody except the people in the trucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you know, know, you could probably yeah, critique yeah, it from yeah. an it's environmental... It's better than going to a rodeo or a circus, taking them to monster trucks. At yeah. least they're consenting adults. Yeah, that's right. There's, <laughs> some, there's some environmental critique to be had. But well, yeah, you yeah, well, could use the petrol another way. Yeah. yeah. You could burn the truck, but that's a different... <laughs> So I think I'd like to try and do that more in the next few years, to mm. actually build stuff so that I'm not just doing good stuff, but mm. the vibes are positive, mm. you know? I think I've often been very angry and mm. feisty, but I'd right. like to be yeah. a little bit more so hippie. Oh, that's nice. So, <laughs> so your sisters have produced progeny, I assume. They have, yes. How many nieces and nephews have you got? I've currently got three nephews, right. and I've got a niece on... On the, the way. way. Oh, excellent. Congratulations. Yeah. Not that we'll deal in yeah. complete gender binaries, will we? No, 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 no. But congratulations. It doesn't matter. If yes. No, it's wonderful. And I've got lots no. of other kids in my life. And right. I live with a nine-year-old who always mm. brings me back to earth. And yeah. Well, she will. He, she. Yes. She. They. They, them. <laughs> They will bring you back to earth as they get older yeah. and older. Well, this is true. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you're not genetically related. It's yeah. more and more difficult, I'm telling you. But you'll get through we'll it. We'll get through it. Now, it was yeah. interesting what you were saying before about activism because, you know, in my book there are two types of activists. Two types. There's only two types. Ooh. Meteorites and stars. And you're a star. They're shining constantly. Meteorites go in, they're going to change the world. In a few years they're burnt, burnt out. out. Drugs, drugged, burnt out, disillusioned, cynical, never put their toe in the water. And What's the difference? What do you think enables people to maintain being stars? Well, I've always, said, I've always said to people, and you kind of stumbled on it before, is that you need to set yourself projects that you can actually accomplish. Mm. We can't change the world tomorrow, but as you saw in Sunshine, you can change certain things by yeah. using the structures. And if you set yourself tasks that you can ac- accomplish as an individual or as a group, yes. you'll continue to grow and you'll get enough satisfaction from that to continue that struggle. If you set yourself a task which is too huge, which you can never win, mm. you'll burn yourself out and you will be useless as an activist. So it's not even about life balance. No. It's about activist goals. Yep. That's my opinion. Mm. It's not life balance. People say, oh, you've got to, you know, four hours as an activist, two hours as a parent, you know, that type of thing. No, no, I don't, I don't say that people break down your life. Yeah, you sound like, like you're not a big no. fan of that idea. No, 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 because... You pe- should see the face expression here, friends. Yeah, because people, people get into that. Because I'm sick of people saying to me, oh, I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too sick, you know, I'm working, I've got kids. I don't give a shit. I say to them, you can always find the time mm. to do something. It doesn't have to be huge. You can even support activists financially. But it's got to be a goal that's clear. A goal that's clear, mm. which you may be able to achieve. And if you fail, it doesn't matter. But yes. the fact that you'll achieve some of those goals keeps you, kind of nourishes your soul and nourishes your spirit. I've been interviewed here, Jessica. 
See, I told you I was the bossy one. Yeah, you asked me the question. Now, what type of things are you involved in at the minute? Um, I am particularly... Queer solidarity in Christian communities is something I'm particularly passionate about. So, so obviously you're voting no, like most other Christians? Most Christians are voting yes, Joe. You would know that. You're kidding me. No, most Christians are voting well, yes. Well, I, I, yeah. I've... I've seen things from the pulpit you wouldn't believe. Yeah, and it's stories yeah, no. about people walking out of churches. I don't know if you've uh, seen the stories, but yeah, there's a whole yeah, yeah. there's a Australian Christians for Marriage Equality, which mm. are bursting at the seams with people. Mm. There's, you know, a good friend of mine who's the dean of the Brisbane Cathedral showed mm. a photo of him in his collar mm. voting. No, no, there's, I mean, you know, as bigoted as as many Christians are. And as much sexism and racism and general kind of colonialism, the church needs to derobe itself from. Mm-hmm. That people are trying. Most people are just trying to be good folks underneath it all. And I think for I mean I I had homophobic views for many years, but you know, and then I hung out with queer folk, you know, and most people will have somebody in their sphere, mm. and they're. They're human enough to ask for what that means and to reinterpret their theology as hopefully all of us will question any of our ideas if they don't seem to fit. You think you can reinterpret theology? It's not written in concrete. Well, I mean, I don't think you can ever approach a text Mm. the same way. If I look at Das Kapital now, I'm going to interpret it in a completely different way Mm. than a German peasant did you yep. know, 50 years ago. I don't think they would have been reading Das Capital. They'll be actually listening to people who'd read Das Capital. Well, indeed. <laughs> That's the difference. Yeah. Right, so I that's think, good. I yeah. mean, I th- and I think, I mean, all the, all the mm. kind of, all the ancient texts are mostly written as parables and as kind of ways to get people thinking mm. rather than turn left, turn right. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that people so you always have to turn left. left. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> Sometimes you need to turn right to turn left. <laughs> As you found out in your life. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I, if I think about it, I call myself a Christian now, but that mm. means something completely different than it did when I was right. 17. I'm going to ask you one last question. Yes. Do you believe in hell? I believe that, that on this earth people can have experiences that are hellish. Mm. I have no idea what happens when we die. Right. But in my view, mm. if the God that I believe I believe in mm. exists, then there certainly could be no place of suffering that we would then go to. Right. And what are your plans for the next few years? Um, I, what are my plans for the next few years? For my trees in my backyard to grow. Yes, that's good. I'm very excited about well, that. Well, they don't care. No, no. That's not a plan. You planted them. That was the plan. They're growing. What else? Just to, to lie under them now and to enjoy yeah. them. Yeah. Um, no, and to continue, I work in a campaigning role now, and mm. I use very different tactics to lying in front of the road, and mm. I'm passionate about that, and mm. I'm really enjoying exploring different tactics from grassroots organising to, to kind of direct lobbying and learning about what it means to be strategic. Mm. It's interesting, your point there, because I'm very passionate and thinking about what can we actually achieve. I I love lying on a road, but actually I think it's often not very strategic. Exactly. Um, So as much as I love embodying that, I I think we need to be smarter about it. So I'm hoping to just get smarter about my Mm. activism stuff and and embrace being a middle-aged activist, I think. 
Uh, look, there's nothing exciting about being a middle-aged activist. It's when you become an, an elderly activist that it's exciting. An elder. Uh, an no, elder. No, 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 no. Elder, there's no, no such thing no, as elders. No, no, it's crap. No, that's no, crap. it's no such thing as elders. No, no, it's no, a side where everything is written down. No. There's no, no need for elders. It's all on paper. No, that's <laughs> crap. Elders right. are so important. Okay. So right, important. As activists, I think we've got to have our elders who mm. bring us the wisdom from the past. Yeah, Jessica, Jessica Morrison, it's been a joy to speak to you. I can see the passion in your, in, in your smile, and it's been a great joy to speak to you, and I'm, I'm humbled to actually meet somebody who's just middle-aged <laughs> and continuing to be a, a, an activist. And more importantly, I hope you have many more beautiful soaks in your fire-heated bath in your backyard yes. and hopefully those trees as you grow older will protect you from everybody else's thanks joe thanks Peace. dale it's been fun